Welcome to The Real Deal, where God, His purposes, and His people are celebrated. I'm Rachel Inouye, bringing you encouragement through real life, people, and their stories. It's The Real Deal. Hey, let's get started. So, we are here today, and I'm really excited because I have my friend Dave Hahn with me. And Dave and I have been involved in music ministry years and years ago at our church, and I would consider him an amazing brother of mine. He is a giant in the kingdom. He's almost intimidating with the softest underbelly that I've ever known, and he is the real deal. So Mm -hmm. when I saw him at a coffee shop the other day, I said, I really want to interview you, and you agreed, so I'm excited. But I do, I just want to honor you, first of all. This is, whether this is on the recording or not, I appreciate the way you've always pushed me Mm -hmm. to think through things. I think you're really great about causing people enough agitation to cause them to go to the Word. And I think... That's really good. I hope that doesn't offend you. I think it's like a burn your saddle. You sometimes got to figure out why is this hurting me or why do I not like this or why is this causing me? Anyway, you're really, really good. You're a bringer of the word. You love Jesus Mm. and you want to draw other people to him. So I don't always start like that. We usually start with these, but I just want you to know I honor you and thank you for your time. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks. I I really love you. The burn the saddle, my friends would call it. You don't want Dave wrapping his big loving arms around you. You know, it's that idea where uh, it's it's not the first time people have said it. You know, there's this sense of, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm a Peter, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I can ebb a little bit too much towards truth. Uh, and as I, as I grow, I'm looking to kind of fill that a little bit more with, yeah. with grace or whatever, but I love, I love truth. Uh, mm-hmm. I think truth frees people. It does. You know, um, it I know does. truth frees people. Mm-hmm. And so to the degree that you come across, you, you, whether it be with your, within yourself or whether it be with other people and you discover that, I think that they're believing something that's erroneous and it's ultimately not causing them to see God rightly or causing them to see themselves rightly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the best and most, maybe the best and most loving thing I can do, or at least this is why I do it. My, it's my intent yeah. is to be able to kind of go, I'd think about, what about this? And yeah. What about that? And yeah. God wouldn't say that, those kinds of things. So yep. burn my saddle. I love it. No, you've always challenged me like that. And in, in ministry, yeah, I think that's one of the things that's important for me. If somebody's partnered with a lie or they don't see God rightly or they don't see themselves, then I'm like, we got to get that out. Yeah. So that, you know, there's a clear path to getting to industry. Okay. Anyway, these are the ones that we usually do. It just gets people used to your voice and mine, but they've already heard us. Okay. Would you consider yourself an introvert or extrovert? So actually I've done a test on this. Yeah. Uh, I had to go to some conference yeah. and um, this guy named Daniel Pink, he's an author. Okay. Uh, he, he had a thing about introvert and extrovert and um, he had us take the test in the middle of his talk. And I ended up discovering that I'm what's called an ambivert. So I actually don't know that outside of Daniel Pink, that there is anybody, that there's anything typically defined as an ambivert, yeah. but it's the person that's kind of right down the middle. Right down the middle. So um, people like you and me, because we're we're chatty and yeah. because we're not shy, yeah. often get pegged as extroverts. And actually the extrovert introvert thing is an interesting in that it's really not about whether you're peppy or whether you're right. shy. It has everything to do with what energizes you and what steals exactly. energy away from you. And so I'm the guy where I can be sitting at home and if somebody were to call and go, Hey, we're going to go to a part and we're going to have a party. Would you guys want to come yeah. over? Or do you just want to sit home and watch Netflix? Yeah. I'm right down the middle. Okay. I'm like, I could probably do either. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I get restless when I've got too much people stuff. I, yep. I feel like I'm being Time to get away. tapped mm-hmm. um, or whatever. I have never been at the point where I feel like, oh, I need to start seeing people. Because yeah. I just don't think it actually works that way for yep. me. So I think I probably have a little bit more towards introversion yeah. um, or whatever. I've grown more and more appreciative of being alone and being quiet and needing to carve that time out in my life. 
believe it or not, me too. Yeah. Okay. These next ones, you don't. You, you can just either, neither, go fast if you want. Would you say coffee, tea? Neither. Dog, cat, either, neither. I like dog. Morning bird or night owl? Night owl. Books or movies? Movies. Silence or music? Music. Leaned in, laid back. Would you consider yourself? Yeah. Um, so that's right down the middle. Probably, <laughs> probably, uh, probably leaned in. Okay. Shower or bath? <laughs> uh, shower. Okay. <laughs> Driver or passenger? Driver. And would do you like to dine out or eat at home? I like dining out. Okay. All right. So you know, you did great, by the way. I think I might have been able to guess both of those, but it would have just been a guess. Okay. You know that this podcast is called The Real Deal, and my dad always taught us to just be the real deal. His name was Richard Dean, so RD, and he'd be like, just mm. be the real deal. Um authentically who you are wood should be wooden pottery should really be the real thing you know like wool should look like wool metal metal you know just be authentically who you are and it really shaped me to be the real deal just i'm not saying i never felt like oh i like that person or i wish i were more patient like her or curlier hair like no but overall just wanted to be authentically who i was and it really affected me and he used to call it that's the real mccoy you know, that's the real deal. He would say it all the time. Anyway, is there somebody in your life who is the real deal? And whoever pops into your mind, there may be more than one. How did it affect you? You just knew they were authentically who they were. Somebody that you know? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, it, it's hard for, it's actually hard for me to think about it. Maybe I'll, 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 I'll frame it this way. Yeah. I'm, I'm really drunk. I, I grew up, I think, in a family where, and as I've gotten older, I, I've kind of realized it where, um, there was a, um, there was a lack of that. And what I mean by that is, uh, for, I think for a couple different reasons, there was, there was a sense of, um, being concerned about what other people might think and say, kind of upholding a reputation, that kind okay. of thing, wanting to present yourself in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and then on the flop side of that, <clears throat> there was also this sense of going, it's really nobody's business. That's, that's the kind of thing that we talk about those kinds of deals, um, and I think that part of who I am is almost in response to that. Mm. Uh, part of who I'm drawn to is in response to that. I can't think of anybody that is more of the real deal maybe than, than anyone else or mm -hmm. whatever. But mm -hmm. I know that when I discover, when I find somebody mm -hmm. who's just real and authentic mm -hmm. and all of those kinds of things, I'm in, I'm incredibly drawn to that person. And I think it's because I just have no room in my life for pretense. I yep. have no room yep. in my life for, for, for veils yep. um, or whatever. I just want this kind of like, give me who you are. Yep, give yep, me yep. what's actually real. Yep. I'd rather talk with the most ardent non-believer who just lays it out there than yep. I would somebody who's yep. this pretentious kind of yep. smiley. Yep. And I don't mean pretentious in, in a, in necessary, that it's always this way, but I don't, I don't, want to talk with people or spend time around people who aren't giving me the real thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and stuff. Because I think that ultimately what's involved in that is this, this real sense of the fear of man, this real yep. sense of, yep. of, um, of kind of there, all that stuff kind of lives underneath you. And I just like, let's, let's see it. Yep. You know what I mean? Cause I'm going to love you anyway. Yep. I'm going to care about you yep. anyway. And in fact, what I've kind of discovered is that the more that I do that with myself to the degree that I find myself going, I'm not sure I can share this with that person or want to share yeah, it with yeah. that person or to the degree that I'm talking with somebody who's in that same place. What you always discover 
is that the lie that that person is not going to love you or think the same of you, it really is a lie from, from Satan. Amen. He, he lies to you about those things. And the, the truth of it is actually when you expose yourself yep. and you show yourself to other people, yeah. it actually endears <laughs> you to other people. Yep. You know what I mean? And so um, there isn't any, honestly, Rachel, there isn't any one person that, yeah. I, that I think of That's when fair. I go, this person is the is yep. the real deal. Pro- I guess if I were to think about it, it would probably be my grandpa mm. uh, on my dad's side. He was just this, you know, I remember he would just tell me whatever it was that he was kind of thinking. He didn't yep. like that as a, you know, a teenager that I had long hair. He didn't like that I wore, you know, rock band shirts or whatever yeah. else like that. And he would just kind of like, let me know. And I kind of appreciated it, you know, yeah. and I chuckle about it now as I get older um, and stuff. Or, but, um, and so it's interesting to me to kind of go, yeah, I, there isn't <laughs> anyone where I'm like, I want to emulate <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, not to be self grand, grandy, you know, grand, you know, to make much of myself in this, but like, I always sit and think like, I want to be, and I've strived to be as real as I yep. can possibly be yep. um, with everybody. And as you alluded to kind of in the beginning, there's that, there is a sense of initial intimidation mm. when people meet me that mm-hmm. way, you mm-hmm. know, but it doesn't, I don't think take long for people to kind of go, Oh, there's, there's nothing there. It's just that he's this kind of, he's, he is who he is yep. and he's confident yep. in it. Yep. Um, and it can kind of take people back a little yeah. bit. Um, or whatever, but I don't necessarily realize it. I'm always surprised when I learn yeah, yeah, yeah. from certain people that they're like, Oh, when I first met you, I was really intimidated. Yeah. And I always ask the why. Yeah, and why? It ultimately it comes down to, because you just are, you're confident and you just say what you think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and all of those kinds of things. And I just, which is it, such a good quality if you think about it. And like when you said you, yeah. you've tempered it with truth and love and yeah. acceptance of, you're not going to say something. I may disagree with you, but doesn't mean I'm going to stop. Yeah. Loving you. Yeah. It's a, it's a strong suit of yours. It's really one of your good cards in your hand. I mm. think for sure. Yeah. Really. Not everybody agrees, but I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. really, that's really a good thing. I don't know how you would describe yourself, but you are a husband, a father. Are you a brother? Do you have siblings? Yeah. I'm the oldest of three. Okay. You are a son of God. That's, for sure. That's, that's important. That's the new creation. That's, that's my core, never that's seen my core on identity. the earth. Son of God. That's my core identity. And I'm a son of God. Because you're the bride of Christ. Yeah. So, I mean, in that gender thing, it's like, it's a, it's a creation. It's a new species. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of the other reasons why I wanted to have you here is because I know you're a son of God. Yeah, for <laughs> you sure. You know, and that's, that's probably your most important thing that you would it say. Is. It is. But if you were to share with us, like, how you tick or how you became kind of who you are now, or maybe some pivotal moments in your life where you remember either how you were wired or that God was real or like when we came in here and you smelled incense, like yep. just share some of the background of what shaped you to be Dave Hahn. Yeah. I mean, um, man, I, you know, the, the most important thing in my life, uh, question, uh, no question about it is, yeah. is, uh, is my relationship with Christ yep. and, uh, the most, and the core of my identity at the end of the day is that I'm a, I'm a child of God. Amen. And the way that I frame it is I'm, I may be, a, I'm a child of God who happens to be married to Sheila, or I'm a ha- child of God who happens to have a son, or I'm a child of God who happens to work here or there, or I'm a child of God who happens to be leading Amen. a church or whatever, right? But here's the thing. All of those other things can change, but the one thing that cannot and will not change is that I am God's child Amen. and I forever will be. Amen. Um, so the, the journey in me getting to that place, you know, took at least a minimum of 28 years. I grew up 
um, going to the Greek Orthodox Church on 92nd in Congress, the um, the big blue dome, the Annunciation Church. You are a Wisconsin boy. Completely. Okay. Completely. Born and raised in Wisconsin. Okay. My parents are born and raised in Wisconsin. Wow. My mom is 100% Greek. My mom and dad are really are the big fat Greek wedding story. Uh, <laughs> for, for real. I mean, my mom watches that movie and she goes, I don't think that's funny. Because okay. it's basically a telling of her yeah, life, you yes, know? Yes, yes. Um, to the point that my dad was this non-Greek guy who got then filtered into this Greek family. Right. He was not allowed to go and pick her up okay. on a date. Partially because he was a hippie, because he dated in the 60s. Okay. And partially because he drove a panel van. I wouldn't let anybody pick up anybody <laughs> in a panel van. Don't come get my you know daughter. I mean? Right. Um, so he'd have to meet her like two blocks away. And... Um, Mm-hmm. So they, he ended up converting from, you know, he was raised, born and, and, and raised Catholic, went to okay. Catholic school and, and Catholic church his whole life. And, and um, it was more important to my mom's side of the family that, uh, that, that they kind of uh, be Greek Orthodox. And so my dad converted just like in, yep. the, in, the, movie just in the movie and stuff like that. Um, and so growing up, some of my earliest memories are being in that church. And if you've never been in that church, it's, it's incredibly stimulating to all of the mm. senses. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright built it, and he built it with a lot of purpose and intentionality. I uh, didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. I the cool know. story about the the Frank Lloyd Wright thing, and you can go on a tour and learn about a lot of stuff, but the way that he told the builders the way that he was going to do it is he took a coffee cup, and then he took a saucer, and he turned it over on its edge, and he said, this is what I'm going to build. Neat. You know what I mean? And, so, and there was all kinds of rationale behind it. He was ultimately building it for his Orthodox wife. I think she was Russian Orthodox or something, so okay. she wasn't Greek Orthodox, but built that church. And so it's incredibly stimulating um, visually, but also mm. uh, from a, you walk in and it's frankincense burning and yeah. it's, you know, and there's candles burning. And so it's this highly visual thing. And so my, some of my earliest memories, and then they're in the service, there's, there's canting. Okay. And, and when you hear canting, it's this very deep, mm-hmm. dark, mm-hmm. it feels dark. Okay. And so for a two hour long service in in greek yeah where the the people were speaking in greek and yep. you're a kid and you're going i don't know what is going right, on here. right so you'd connect with sounds like the exactly. canting or you'd connect with the, the iconography or the, or the smells or him taking out what's called the semiato which is where the incense is held it's in the catholic church as well where they swing it around yep. and the incense yep. flies yep and then even then it was like the smoke going up is supposed to represent the, the prayers, prayers the ascending saints. into mm-hmm. heaven and, mm-hmm. and all these things and so really that was kind of where i first began connecting with who god is and, and what he was and stuff and so then to be the kid and then in 1977 this is a hugely pivotal moment for yeah. me um the miniseries jesus of nazareth came on tv mm. and um i remember hearing and it was a four-part series at the time, and I remember specifically hearing this really daunting music, and walking into the living room and looking, and Jesus was carrying a cross. He had a crossbar across his shoulder, yeah. and he's walking in, and there's this dramatic music that's going on, and he's being, and they throw him on the ground, and they nail him to the cross, and I remember just standing there, and I was riveted by the visual of this, because I had never seen a Jesus movie. I had yep. seen jesus statues and i had seen jesus right. pictures and those kinds of things but i'd never seen it like that and never heard it like that and so um and i asked my parents what was going on and they said well this is jesus and he's being crucified and that just flew in the face of the sense that i got from what i would call somewhat you know clean versions yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. statues and yeah. paintings. You didn't get the sense that it was as brutal as it was. Yeah. But my mom and dad tell, told me that from that point on, 
all you would do is draw pictures of Jesus yes, and stuff like yes. that. And so fast forward, you know, 20 some years and I end up becoming, you know, a communications director yep. at a church yep. where my job yep. is through visual mediums and yep. through audio mediums and stuff to tell the story. I was just uh, thinking about that because that, whether it was the Good Friday services or whatever, the visual, the yeah. experience that you would bring yeah. that was important. And I know there are other people, the music, and there were... It was a team of people. Yeah, for sure. But that was an emphasis. That was an experiential moment to right. have those services direct us toward the the real passion yeah. and the things that were happening. And and you were pivotal in that for sure. So that's cool that that it's would happen really cool. to you know bring itself around. Yeah. So I always had an affection for God. I always had an effect. You know, um, we we left the Greek Orthodox Church when we had moved out of Milwaukee. Attended a Lutheran church for a while and stuff. But you know, really came to faith. Um, I remember I started started dating um, my now wife, yeah. um, and we both talked about how we had kind of grown up in the church, but had really missed it. And um, I remember saying, you know what I love is when you turn on the TV and you see dudes just open up the Bible and they start reading it, and they start talking about it. Like, it wasn't much for the stand up, sit down, sing this, say that. Okay, yep. And so I was talking with a friend that I worked with, and she was just like, oh, you might like, you know, this church, they, yeah. you know, Elmbrook, they, you, they would, they... He, this guy from England gets up and he yep. talks and yep. he preaches and all of those kinds of things. And it was a Saturday night. And I'm like, oh, even better. I don't have to get up on a Sunday right. morning. Right, no, I don't have to get up Do you early. know what I mean? Yeah. But I remember within the fir- one of the first few weeks saying to, to Sheila, my wife, uh, at the time just a girlfriend, and saying, this is it. You know what I mean? Okay. And I remember Stuart in particular preaching from First John mm-hmm. uh, chapter 514. And the phrase was... Uh, John writes, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And what struck me about it was I was in a place where I didn't know. And what I mean by that is that I think I I was the way that a lot of people, I think, who attend church are, which is if somebody were to say to you, are you going to go to heaven? Do you know that you have eternal life? They would begin to give you these stories about or these these um of what they've done maybe what they've or places done, right? they've been well I've been raised in the yeah. church or I've been baptized or I've been this or I've been that or whatever and I probably would have said yeah you know that idea of I think I've done more good stuff than yeah, I yeah. have bad stuff or whatever but I left that church recognizing for the first time in my life that none of those things mattered and the reason that we know is because there is the spirit tells us Amen. that we love Jesus and that he loves us and that even to the degree that we miss it and even to the degree that we blow it is there a sense within your spirit and heart that goes, yeah, but I don't want it to be like that. That's right. That's right. Rather than Amen. justifying the things that you've done wrong and rather than justifying the, the ways in which you've missed it, does the spirit press on you Amen. and go, hey, yeah. that's that's not where we are. That's not so what we need good. to do. You know what I mean? And so um, that flipped everything for me. Yeah. You know? And yeah. uh, so to find myself then a few years later, you know, months later being on the worship team, Yep. You know, as as a drummer, and then a few years later, being on staff, yep. um, and now to consider this guy, you know, who who preached that sermon, a friend of mine, Stuart, um, mm-hmm. and stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's an extraordinary mm-hmm. thing. But as I look back and reflect on my life, there's this great Star Wars poster. I'm mm-hmm. a huge Star Wars guy. Yeah, but there's a great Star Wars so poster. Are my sons from the, and husband. Right, totally yeah. from the Phantom Menace. Okay, and and it's a picture of of. The little of a little kid standing in the sand, and his and his and his um, shadow is reflecting on a cave, 
And the shadow that reflects is Darth Vader's shadow. And the reason that it's that shadow is because this is Darth Vader's little kid. And I just thought that is such a great Mm. way to depict this foreshadowing. And so I sit and think about all of these things in my life as a little kid, whether it be the Greek Orthodox Church or the drawings that I did or whether it be all of these moments and going, these things just cast a shadow to where it is that God was leading you. So I always had, I think, I always believed God was, I always believed that Jesus was his son, but God did not become central to my life. I had not been born of the spirit Mm -hmm. um, until I was 28 years old, but God was leading Leading me me. to that place. So when somebody goes, well, when did you come to the place that you are? I don't know. Right. You know, it really has been this kind of long, uh, this long ongoing right. thing or whatever. And that's okay with me. You know, yeah. I, I oh, know, yeah. I know, I don't need to have that date. God bless you if you've got that date. Yeah. What a gift. But um, not having a date where you know yeah. doesn't matter aside from knowing that God knows it. Right. Exactly. You know? And that God was a relentless pursuer Amen. of me. He was for the whole for the whole of my life completely. Yeah. Um, And now that I belong to him, and now that he's you know he's so captured my heart, it's amazing. You know. So now to find myself going, okay, it was amazing to me that I that I got to be on staff and do this creative thing or whatever in that. But um, now to find myself where I am today, going, I'm a pastor at a church. Yeah. That I planted a church. Yeah. uh, With you know my wife and I and another couple that we planted a church. I mean, all God keeps doing is doing stuff through me that I never would have thought right. of, never would have considered, never and would have imagined. And you just taking the next step. You That's just it. taking the next step. Because, well, if you think about Ephesians, he says, you're his workmanship. You're created in Christ Jesus to yeah. do good works that That's he it. prepared in advance for Dave Hahn to do. That's right. So you're just stepping into the very thing that he, I mean, there are steps we take, but we're not hoeing our own row. We just are not doing it it's so freeing to know that there's this partnership this co-labor yeah. but he's got a lot going because he's well, the dad and he went ahead yeah and i've got several tattoos but yeah i my, love it. Know, i was gonna ask you about them Tell well the one, one the one that i have on here i mean it really is my life verse it's galatians two twenty. i have been crucified with christ so the dave han of old the dave han whose life dead. belonged to him has been crucified with christ and it is no longer dave who lives but christ who lives in him and so this is christ's life in me amen and so what my life looks like now is going how is it that christ wants to live in and through me today and in this moment and to the degree that i find myself in places where i'm like i can't believe i'm in this place or i can't believe this is what i'm i'm part of yeah you recognize well it isn't really you it's it's christ in you right so you take yourself out of it uh, or whatever, but that's kind of really central to my life. But I love the idea of thinking about how all of those things were kind of foreshadowing. Yeah, of, just like the of, poster. Of, that's right, of where I'd find yep. myself. You know, this this shadow is cast. It's you know, not Darth Vader, but it's the same. No, kind no, of no, idea. no, no, no. Yeah, you know and I, mean? I and I get that. Oh, that's so good. It's so rich that everybody's story is different. Yeah. But everybody's story is similar in that he is revealing himself to us and drawing us to who he is. Completely. Do you know what I mean? And. And I, yeah, I could go on with a whole different topic with that. But I, I think that he's so kind to us and he's so good to us to reveal however we're wired is what will come alive. For example, the completely the the visuals and the visceral response to that and then you drawing and that's all part of it. So tell me a little bit about your art background or yeah. tell me a little bit about how you met Sheila because you guys have some of those similar yeah, things, we do. right? Yeah, so I was just always a kid that could draw, right? There's yeah. always that kid, right? Yeah. Every, every class has one. Yep. Yeah. You know, I'd be drawn and... It's my dad, and, it's my son. Yeah. It's and, crazy. And, 
Well, and it really is one of those things, right, where it's like you recognize, and people will recognize it with art, and they'll recognize it with music, but it really is that way in a lot of different things. It you is. Know, God That's has, a good point. God, God gifts everybody where you just have a propensity towards mm-hmm. certain mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. For me, as a kid, it was like, my friends coming over going, I can't draw this hand. I can't draw this foot. Can you, Dave, draw can you for do me? this for me? Totally. Uh, so I was just always that guy, always yeah. drawing, always doing pictures and stuff like that. And so, you know, you, as you grow older, it becomes, you know, when you start thinking about like, what am I going to do for a living? Uh, for me, it was like, I loved music and I loved mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. You know, music's a harder thing to kind of just know firmly how you're going to kind of make a living. Art, you know, right around the time that I was graduating from high school and, and, uh, and, and stepping into college, it was like, oh, there's this graphic design thing that right. I could do, right? And so it just kind of felt like nat- this natural thing to me to do. So while I was playing in bands, I was going to art school. Um, stuff graduated, you know, doing graphic arts and stepped into that. And a few years later, uh, I had gotten a job in, uh, at this place that was, did like Sunday circulars. Okay. And I remember getting uh, sat down... Oh, there's a great story about how I first met Sheila. But Tell me. Okay, whatever. So, no, that's Wherever fine. you want to go. So anyway, um, I'll, I'll circle back to it, okay. I promise. So I sat down next to this girl. Uh, I was the only guy. Uh, the president um, was the only other man. Okay, okay. Um, no, president and then the art director was the only other man. And so it was like us three and then a whole collection of women. Women. And, I, and all the other artists were women. And... Um, I didn't know it, but the president had said, hey, this is a really cool band guy that we've hired, and he's got long hair, and he does this, and he's in bands, and he's on the east side and all that, so just get out of his way. So he really set me up. For, nice. No, no. He, oh, he isolation. Set, well, he set me up to be a jerk. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, Mr. Fancy Pants, who's coming in. You know, he yeah. set me up for a... Yeah. Or whatever. And so all the women that first day were really, really quiet. Okay. And I'm just like, man, none of them are talking to me or introducing themselves yeah. to me or whatever. What I didn't know is that he had warned them right. off a different from actually talking with yeah. me. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the girl that sat next to me, though, was always chuckling and always laughing and stuff. And then, in a, and her name is uh, her name was Sheila. And that same day, they handed out um, a sheet uh, saying, "Here are the you know here are the employees that are here." And I saw that her name was Sheila Wittenberg, and there and and that's a somewhat. You know, it's a very common German name, but right. the thing that was unique about it is it said Wittenberg and it was spelled B-U-R-G. And hardly anybody has B-U-R-G versus B-E-R-G. B-R-G. Yeah. And then I look at her and I go, oh man, I wonder. Because the thing is, is the only other person that I knew who had that same last name was my friend Lance, who got killed in a car accident when mm-hmm. I was a senior in high school. He was one of my best friends. Oh, wow. And okay. I'm just like, oh, she does kind of look like him, you know? And so I asked her and I said, hey, did you know do you have a family member named Lance? And she's like, yeah, he was my cousin. And so we got to be friends and started wow. talking about those kinds of things um, or whatever. And so the idea that I am now married to one of my best friends from high school's cousin, cousin or whatever, again, it's just, and here's the other cool thing. She grew up a block down the road from the, the Annunciation Church from okay. where, from where, you know, I was going to church. She was just a block down from there. And the pla- one of the places that I currently work now, Luther Manor, is right next door to the Annunciation Church. So I love the idea that somebody could have come to me when I was 8, 9, 10 years old, poked me on the shoulder and said, you're going to work next door and your wife is living yeah. down the block. Yeah. 
I just love that Isn't stuff. Isn't that good? And then there were times where Lance and I, I was as, as, at a family function with Lance. Sheila was there as a family member because they had a huge family, yep. but we never ran would into each, each other. I was part of his funeral, and so she would have seen me there. And that, but all of those moments, God didn't allow us to kind of yeah, yeah, meet, meet yeah. up until it was kind of this moment and stuff. And I just remember when I started getting to be friends with Sheila, thinking how, you know, how she was just different. She was yeah. just cool. I never got sick of her. I never yeah. got tired of her. I really enjoyed spending time with her uh, and all of those kinds of things. The way that we first met, and I so love this story, is I was actually da- a relationship that I was in um, as I was beginning this job um, was coming to its end. I had hurt my knee. I needed my then girlfriend to drive me to my first day of work. Okay. I get out of the car my girlfriend is putting on my putting on my knee brace right. or whatever. But to Sheila, as she was pulling in to work, she sees this new guy standing at the front of the place and there's some girl that's on her knees in front of him. Yeah. Or whatever. And she can't see that she's putting yeah, on yeah, like yeah, a yeah, knee thing yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and so she walks by and she's gotta be thinking, Look oh, at this whatever. hero. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And I would have loved to have had the wherewithal to go, Don't worry, you're gonna win. Yeah, you know I mean, you're yes. gonna, we're gonna, it's gonna be you and me, so good. and stuff. So it's really sweet. So anyway, um, yeah. So we we started dating and we got married uh, a couple years later. So we were celebrating 22 years of marriage this year. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. So That's a the, long the art time. thing. Yeah, it totally is. Oh it's my amazing. word! I'm thinking fewer years than that. Well, and, but I love that you said she was seated next to you, and you could always hear her chuckle. Yeah. Because when I think of Sheila, yes. I think of joy. Yes. And I think of just that bubble, like just that things are good. Ha ha ha. Personality. You know, she would a, laugh that you said it. Yes. Yeah. You know I mean, she's it's just so very good. Yeah. She's very easy to laugh. And yeah. Stuff. And so Sheila was the same way. She was always the girl who could draw and stuff. And those two things happened to be, you mm. know, a thing that kind of ultimately got us to this place. And mm. so, you know, and for me, it was just, you know, art, you know, graphic arts turned into video, which turned into websites, which turned into you know, all those kinds of other things just by out of interest, but also out of necessity in certain jobs, you know, and that's ultimately what led me to the place of doing some of these creative things for, uh, as a way to be able to kind of present the gospel in a different way. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, you know, um, Donald Miller, of course, you know, when he would say like, he does the whole thing with story brand, he does the whole thing with websites. He said like, I opened the computer up and I see your website. I don't care that your uncle started it 52 years ago. I want to know what do you do and how can you help me? Completely. And he said, if it's not fast like that, and I can see that your truth telling and the ability to have both art and what's the story along with the fact that, dude, this needs to change would be really good for you when it comes to design and websites and that kind of stuff. Because you would be able to tell them what's not working without feeling bad about it. Just telling them, hey, you know what I'm saying? That kind of that, yes. that hard truth that would help them in the end. Yeah. I feel like you would bring that easily. Yeah. No, I mean, I certainly do that. I mean, in the way that I think the way that I've grown is to remember, and this has been huge for me over the last few years, is to recognize that um, my job is to, you know, to the degree that God, I feel like God has revealed something to me or to the degree that I have a sense about something, yeah. my job is to say the things that matter to the people that matter, but ultimately the decision to do that thing or the decision to change or the mm-hmm. ability to be changed is really God's right job. So rather than going, man, I'm just going to keep harping on people or keep yep. bringing these things up or keep yep. asking them why they're not doing these things. I kind of look at it like I'm going to tell you and I'm going to kind of share you, give, give yeah. you the why, but you're not whatever. in charge of the process. 
But ultimately, the decision is yours. That's right. Now, if the decision is mine, well, this is what we're going to do. Right, right, right. Right. But there's a lot of freedom for me in feeling like what God has asked me to do, whether it be in an art setting or whether it be in a, um, you know, a church setting or whether it be in um, even personal setting. I've just been so strongly convicted that it is not our job nor within our ability to change anyone. Amen. You know, it's you, so freeing. It's incredibly. It's freeing. like Joshua. He's standing there and he goes, "Okay, I set before you these things: life and death. Now choose life. Sure. But then I'm not going to harangue you. I'm not going right. to make you. I can't convince you. Completely. There's a choice. Choose completely. And then when you do, yeah, it'll pan out a certain way. You know, and that is very freeing than trying to make sure you make everybody or just the mental energy or I don't know. I think well, that's if- so good. Yeah, so and if good, you dude. and if you think about it, like if you go through your own life and go and you find yourself getting angry or frustrated about mm, anything, anything, if you dig deep enough, what you'll discover is the reason that you're angry or frustrated is because you don't like this thing mm-hmm. and you want to change it, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. because you want this thing to change and it won't, yeah, or this person to change yeah, and yeah. it won't, and they aren't. Okay. Whatever it is that you're frustrated about, it's all about. I had this expectation, my expectation wasn't met, and so I'm frustrated. And I'm especially frustrated because I can't change that thing. Right. And I just sit and think, like, where did we start believing and why did we start believing? It's obviously a sin thing. It's obviously a control thing. But why do we believe that it's our job to change anyone? Anyone. Or anything. Amen. You know what I mean? Amen. Um, And so it's been an extraordinary freeing thing to me. And then from an art perspective... You know, really, I mean, any and any artist would know this when you're doing graphic design. Somebody comes and says, hey, build me a website. Or someone comes and says, hey, do a logo for me. You're always laying before them several choices. Right. And then you kind of go, and oh my gosh, it took so long for me personally to kind of go, oh, they picked the worst one. And, I, and, and needing to deal with the fact that I didn't think that the one that they were picking was the best one. Okay. So it's just like, what does it look to just kind of like... Cut the cord yeah, and go, let it this go. is their decision, and I'll do the best that I can do in, the, in this right. circumstance or whatever. So it's been a huge thing for me. <laughs> the art world has really trained me in a lot of ways, to kind, especially for graphic design, because graphic design is really this idea of you're not doing things for you, you're doing things for other people. Right. You know, art is this very personal thing, right. but as soon as you start doing it for commerce's sake, you, you are basically saying art... Art is not the primary goal here. It's about trying to solve a business problem mm-hmm. for these folks and how they're going to want to solve that problem may be different than the way that I would want to do it. Right. That's You're good. being paid to do it that way. And those things then translate into when right. I preach or those things yep. translate into conversations that I have with other people yep. where you realize that my job is to say the things that matter to the people that matter and let God do his thing. Exactly. Oh, that's so good. So, you know, in a, in a sense, when you think about with with art, you're doing that for them and for that purpose. That's different than you didn't sell your soul to do that. If you wanted to make your own picture or your own drawing, Completely. you could still do that, Completely. and it would express exactly what you want. It's two two different um, tax that that. Yeah, and you take. have to divide those things. Yeah. any any art where you're getting paid, mm-hmm. and every once in a while, right? Um, okay. Somebody lines it up where they're getting to do exactly what they love to do. Yep. And they get paid to do it. Yep. But usually, even, you know, whether it be in a band or whether it be as an artist or whatever, very, very rarely yep. 
are people not making some kind of sacrifice if commerce is involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're commissioned to do X, so you have to do X. Yeah, and there's know? a degree to which you're kind of going, you know, record companies are saying to bands, yep. man, we need hits or we yep. need this yep. or we need that. And yep. so there's a degree to which they're feeling the pressure of that. Yep. And that, and then doing whatever it is that you want to do because commerce isn't involved, that's something different. And I, in my, when I was going to college, I needed to be able to make that separation mm-hmm. to go, this isn't precluding me from just drawing or doing whatever it is that right. I want to do on my own. Right. But to the degree that I'm on the clock and that I'm doing this for a job, I need to recognize that I'm doing this for yep. other people. Helps you get into the, the right headspace and the Completely. right box to Com- do whatever. Completely. Okay. Let's go to the bands. Yeah. Let's go to, um, we're wired for community. We're made for a relationship, yeah. but some of the deep relationships that you've had have been through music. For sure. There are a lot of them. I'm not, I'm not saying that I know from your life. Let's go to community or bands or buddies, because that's a yeah. big part of how you've grown into who you are, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've been playing in bands since I was, you know, 16 years old. I, I wanted to, I was always interested in music. I, I've loved music. Mm. My, I grew up as a, my earliest, some of my earliest memories are waking up early on Saturday mornings to, and my dad cranking Whatever tunes. The, the Guess Who or Crosby, yep. Stills and Nash or oh. Led Zeppelin or whatever, right? Yep. I mean, and I was just like, so I was always surrounded by him listening to music, yeah. you know? Yeah. And even now he likes to sit on a couch and just kind of listen, listen to, music to music and stuff. His musical tastes became different than mine. You okay. know, when I started kind of getting into my own, he started like listening to like ABBA and Anne Murray. And I'm okay. like, we're going to part here. You <laughs> know what I mean? I actually have an appreciation for ABBA and Anne Murray now at the time. Uh, not as much, you right, know what I mean? Right, right. But um, I wanted to play drums. I always felt like I just got how rhythm worked, and I mm. understood what the drummer was doing. And um, so I asked my parents if I could play drums. They did not want to deal with the noise, and so they said, how about saxophone? And I remember thinking, like, none of the music that I listen to has saxophone yes. in it. How is that the same? So Nothing I'm, just, about- I'm not going to be playing any <laughs> of these songs. So it didn't last long. I played saxophone for, like, three years or whatever. But along the way, I was always figuring out, like, how to play drums on... You know, like, and I suppose anybody does with wooden spoons and on, you know, yeah, yeah, laundry yeah. baskets, right? Yeah. Uh, and then when I got, I got into a band as a singer because it was the only p- spot that they needed. Yeah. And we practiced at our house when my family would be gone for other reasons. And the drummer left his drum set over there. And when my folks were gone at work and my brother and sister and I got home from school, I would put on a record and I would just play along with that record nice. to figure out how to play drums. And so that's kind of how it started. And from that point on, I was always in bands. And the bands that I was in, we were writing our own music and wanting, because we yeah, wanted yeah, yeah. to do our own thing and kind of m- do music for a living and those kinds of things. And so I was in just countless bands, but always with a lot of the, some of the same guys. And these guys were my brothers. These guys were mm-hmm. my closest friends or whatever. And so, um, so I was in always in kind of original bands where we were wanting to do our own thing. Yeah. And by the time that I got into my late twenties and being married and stuff like that, I really kind of let that whole thing go and yeah. just said, music's just going to be this fun thing for me. If yeah. I'm able to, it was never about making money. It was never about the rock star lifestyle. It was yeah. always about creating something with some of my best friends. Cool. That's what I loved about music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everybody's in that place. No. That's where I was. You yeah. know what I mean? And certainly I was surrounded by people who were in different places. Right. Let's pause a second. If you are enjoying The Real Deal with Rachel Inouye, subscribe, rate, and review it. I appreciate your support. All right. Back to The Real Deal. When, when Sheila and I started attending Elmbrook, they used to have screens. They probably still do. The screens where they'd put up little announcements. Okay. And they would say, 
you know, we need such and such. And if you're interested in this and so yep. and so. And so a screen came up and it said, are you a drummer looking to share your talents? Call Dave, wow. whatever else like yep. that. And so that thing stood out to me like it should have just said, dear Dave. Yeah, exactly. Comma. It was for you. Yeah, it that's that so way. good. So I reached out to Dave Bullock, who was the worship pastor at, uh, at Elmbrook at the time. Yeah. And he and I had kind of connected and we come from very different places musically. And right. so he had asked, he had put on a C, I remember he put on a CD and he asked me to play along with it on my lap oh, to okay. kind of see that I could kind of play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always pick on him and I go, you asked me to play a backbeat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was the real hard thing. Um, and so that's kind of how it started, you know, and where I, I started getting into music. But I remember feeling uh, I was doing, you know, leading worship in Elmbrook and then I would go and do gigs downtown. And I remember yeah. I got to a place where... <laughs> I felt like God was saying to me, you know, you're spending a lot of time practicing with these other bands and a lot of time playing in these other bands. What if I were to ask you to step away from them? Not because they in and of themselves are inherently bad, but because I have something else for you. Mm. And I, and it felt like an Isaac moment to me, Mm. you know, like he was asking me to take this thing Mm. that maybe I was holding it up in front, you know, before him or ahead of him Mm. and asking me to kind of lay it down that idea and so um, I just felt like God is asking me to be able to spend more time focusing on being a worship leader than doing these other okay. band things or whatever. <laughs> and so I just told Sheila, I said, I'm, I think I'm going to quit these bands. I just feel like I'm supposed to. Not because I felt like there was anything wrong with being in those bands, but because simply because God was leading me to. Um, not the whole, you know, you shouldn't play in a rock band no, now no, that you're no, a Christian no. I, thing. I'm hearing you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it really makes sense. And that's a good distinction. I'm glad you brought it up because God does speak and he speaks to us and it wasn't about this is bad. It was about a direction for you. That's it. That's it. So I went and I, I remember going and talking to the guys in my band and saying, I think I'm going to step away from them. And there were, there were three bands that I was part of at the time. And I told them that the reason that I was stepping away from it was because I felt like God was asking me to. Mm -hmm. And that was really that first moment where they began to realize like, oh, he's always believed in God and he's Mm -hmm. always Mm -hmm. kind of been a faithful guy, Mm -hmm. but something is different now. Yeah. He listens to him and obeys. He's (laughs) going to do whatever God asks him to do, you know, but that was a huge moment and it really did change our relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, where all of a sudden they kind of felt like, I don't, I don't know how to talk with somebody or deal with somebody like this anymore and stuff. And so it actually took years before our relationship kind of got to a place um, where we were able to kind of reconcile that, you know, yeah. where they just kind of realize this is who you are now and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, or whatever. They're not at all in that place. Yeah. And I pray for them all the time yeah. and I talk with them all the time and stuff. And I, and I, and I pray that God saves them um, or whatever. But, uh, but we now look back on it with fondness and we now look back on it like this was this really cool thing that we got to be part of and that, but it was a pivotal moment for me to be able to step away from that. And here's the interesting thing. All the things that I loved about music were, whether it was being able to play with people that I loved, being able yeah. to do different kinds of music, being able to travel and do all yeah. that kind of stuff. All of those things happened in and through the lens of me obeying God and it happening through worship. So I went around the globe mm-hmm. on different missionary trips mm-hmm. as a worship leader mm-hmm. and played in front of huge audiences and all of those kinds of things. And again, not as, not an abandoned an audience kind of way, yeah. but like all the things within me where I loved being with other musicians mm-hmm. and I loved the connection between a group of people listening yep. and a group of people playing. 
Um, that's the stuff that I loved. Not the, not the, you know, the adulation yeah, yeah, yeah. that would come to me, yeah. not making it as much about me, but the thing that was happening yep. that just felt mm-hmm. spirit given where it's like something is happening yep. between these musicians and something is happening between the audience and the band. And that stuff actually manifested itself right. in and through being a worship leader, whether it be in a church or whether it be in a field in the Democratic Republic mm-hmm, of Congo, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That's where those things happen. And you realize, like, God put those things on your heart. But the way that that actually came to be yeah. was through a different means than you would have imagined. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So God gives you the desires of your heart, but he doesn't promise how it's going to happen or mm-hmm. when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we get stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is we start thinking... We have these desires, they must be God-breathed, but what we do is we box God in and we say, yeah, yeah but here's how you need to do it, and here's when you need to do it. So that I will recognize it as happening rather than you manifest it right there and right there and right yeah. there and right there, and oh, yeah. Everything, my whole life is mm-hmm. really this story of going, I wouldn't have imagined this, but it's so much better, better than, than I could have imagined, you know, mm-hmm. so... If you, you know, when you go in job interviews and they go, where do you see yourself in five or 10 years? I always chuckle. <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. Because if I would have told you that this is where I was going to be five years ago, or this is where I was 10 years ago, I wouldn't have believed you, but it's infinitely better than right. where I thought it was going to actually be. And so, you know, then of course, while I was at Elmerk, I had met my good buddy, Nate, and he and I got into a band and and uh, started playing again and stuff. And so we had this kind of thing in common. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. you know, musicians have always kind of been people that I love and that yeah, I yeah, get yeah. And, uh, and stuff. And here's the great thing. there's We have this thing in common, which then, whether we have Christ in common or not, it opens, opens up an avenue for us to be able to kind of share our lives with one another. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and stuff. And so what does it look like for me to be in a secular band as someone who loves mm-hmm. Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and what opportunities will I have to be able to talk with people or be able to live in such a way mm-hmm. that it ultimately reflects Christ, you know, so good. and there's been all kinds of evidence to that end and stuff. And so, however, I felt like I needed to be away from it for a few years to be able to then go, okay, I can step back in. Right. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like when you read through the book of acts, you read through it and you go, well, it looks like Paul got knocked off his horse. And then the next day he was, doing his thing and you nobody realizes all those that years there was where he all went these away. years that he kind of went away before mm-hmm. he actually stepped mm-hmm. into it mm-hmm. so that felt very familiar to me mm-hmm. where it's like i needed to step away from mm-hmm. that world for a while before i felt like i could enter yeah. back into it yeah that's so good it made me think of when you said um so all those years ago when you were a kid if somebody said your wife lives down the street here and you're gonna work over here like, yeah, yeah. like god prepared those things he prepared those things through music same thing it's going to be better than you knew, exceedingly abundantly, far beyond all we ask or imagine, right? Correct. The Ephesians 3.20 thing. So it's better than, it's different than, yep. but it's still honoring your heart's desire and who he wired you and made you to be, which yep. is really, really, really cool. Yep. Um, so let me ask you then, thinking about how when you're younger or something happens and you see this thing, yeah, you're seated you're listening to Stuart Briscoe. You love that somebody opens the Bible and just preaches and yeah. speaks from it. Yeah. Now you're doing that. Yes. So think of how cool that is Completely. that God goes, you know what? I saw you then. I know you then. Oh, and he's got it all. He's outside of time. So he already has it all planned. It's so cool. Somebody come in, Somebody could have come to me that same way, sat down next to me, tapped me on the shoulder that day and said, one day you're going to be friends with that guy. And you're going to do And this. you're going to do the same thing. Yeah. Stuart Briscoe's been on the podcast a couple of times. Of course. And it's 
rich. I bet you had a hard time getting them to talk. Oh yeah, right. Just as hard as you. Right, for sure. No, it was so rich. It was so good. Yeah, of and course. What I like about him is he is the real deal. He's true to who he is. You know, whether That's whatever it. people think about whatever. Yes. I love that he is who he is. And so all those years ago you're hearing Stuart. Yeah. And now you get to yeah. rightly handle the word of God. You get to speak to people. That's a big deal. It's an extraordinarily huge deal. Tell me and a little I, bit about how you got there or yeah. how it feels when you're in the moment, when yeah. you're doing what God has asked you to do in that setting. Yeah. Um, you know, for when I for a lot of years when I was around Elmbrook, I would have certain conversations with people whenever it was, and I would often hear this. So when are you going to become a pastor? In, in response to something that I did or said. Uh-huh. And I was like, I was always like, I don't know what that yeah. means. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Because in my mind, yeah. you know, the pastor thing was like, yeah, I, that's awesome and great. But like, I haven't been to school for that. And I haven't been trained in that and all of those kinds of things. Yeah. But I kept hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And Stuart would say that's part of God's stamp on you. Completely. And so, <laughs> I, say so <laughs> I remember sitting down and talking with Stuart about this and said, I feel like I'm maybe supposed to pursue ministry a bit, but I don't really know what that looks like. And he had shared with me his story, which he, you know, mm-hmm. he has shared in a variety of different ways, which is the fact that Stuart was a banker mm-hmm. and then got started getting opportunities that ultimately led him to be able to step out of banking and go into caponry, right? right? And so it wasn't that it wasn't that he was being trained for that necessarily, but opportunities kept opening. And so what he had said to me was, um, "Look for you know, be open to opportunities that come your way, and if there's an opportunity, step into it." Do you yep. know what I mean? Yep. Um, or whatever. And so my decision from that point on was, uh, I didn't care about the formality of of the, being a pastor. I didn't care about the title. I didn't care about all of those things. But I felt like if somebody came to me and said, Hey, would you come? This is where it first kind of began. Yeah. Would you be willing to come and do a five minute talk at upward? You yep. know, the, and, and when they do yep. upward basketball, yep. they have somebody do a little devotional. Right. Done it. And so it's like, you, you know, I did that and I did that a couple other times. And then, you know, I started attending uh, a different church and then it was like, Hey, would you be willing to do just a little bit of a thing just before the message, kind of your own sense yep. of this and that or whatever. And so these opportunities just kept coming up or whatever until finally I was asked like, Hey, would you want to preach one weekend? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I remember thinking whoa yeah you know what i mean like the weight and the responsibility of that but to some degree also feeling like i haven't been trained for this i haven't been equipped for this um or whatever and ultimately what i realized and what i still continue to realize is that this is about god's gifting um there are there are people who have the title of pastor who mm-hmm. are not Mm-hmm. And there are people who don't have that title who are. Mm-hmm. There are people who are standing behind pulpits who shouldn't be. And there are people who are sitting in the congregation who maybe should. But what happens is, is we as the church, sometimes to our own detriment, end up going, because they have the experience, because they have their credentials, because they have the training, we should bring them into this. Or because they don't, they ought not. Um, rather than kind of going, man, let's get our sniffer out there and <laughs> look for people who actually has been gifted by God to do this, Amen. you know? And yeah, so, it's um, so rich. And so it's... at the end of the day, man, to the degree that I have ever done this or that I continue to do this, 
The only explanation that I have for it is that God's just given me, he's wired me for it. Amen. He's given me a desire for it. He has given me the ability to do it. There's nothing about me that has ever felt weird yep. about standing up in front of a group of people and telling them the truth about God. Yep. You know what I mean? And yep. so now all that's happening is it's got a little bit more of a formality to it yep. in the sense that it's like, oh, I do it, you know, yep. twice a month at a yep. church. Do you know what I mean? Love it. Um, or whatever. And so to the degree, I mean, I've had, and people have had conversations with me going, you know, you haven't been to school, you haven't done this, you yeah. haven't done that for those kinds of things. And agreed. Yes yeah. and amen. And I and I would love to be able to get yeah. education around it and, and all of those kinds of things. But when I, if I'm honest with you, what I think about is in a lot of ways, the, the 15 years that I spent at Elmbrook underneath Stuart, underneath Mel and and surrounded by others or whatever, it really was a masterclass yep. in what it means not only to be a preacher of God's word, but what it means to actually be a man of God. I got to see these guys mm-hmm. live it out. I got to see what they're like when they're not in front of right, right, right. people. Right. And what I know is that who they appear to be is who they actually are, are in a lot of ways. And so I got to watch men of integrity and men who loved God and men who were very gifted in being able to proclaim yeah. his word do it. And so I give a lot. I, I feel like God used both Stuart and Mel and lots of other men mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very powerfully in my life mm-hmm. to kind of train mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. up in, in into what it was that I was mm-hmm. in what it was that I'm doing. And now I'm just kind of I'm exercising those muscles right. and figuring out how to do it better right. uh, and stuff. But man, I, I feel more alive, you know, having conversations like this or having standing behind a pulpit and getting to talk about God than I do at any other moment of my life to the point where I actually believe that God is taking away my desire for the career that I've been in historically and moving me on to Mm -hmm. something different. And when that happens or if that happens or how that happens, I leave it in his hands because the fact that I am in the place that I am now is not where I would have imagined to be Mm -hmm. and doesn't make sense. Maybe even from a worldly point of Mm -hmm. view, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to continue to trust God. And if the church that I'm, you know, that I'm helping to lead, um, crumbles, or if the opportunities that I have to preach go away, it is not going to change me trying to be faithful with the opportunities that God gives to me, whether that be to one person or to 20 people or to a, or, or yeah, a thousand yeah, yeah. people or whatever. It isn't about that. It's about going, God, what doors are you opening for mm-hmm, me? Mm-hmm. And should I walk through mm-hmm, them? Mm-hmm. So good. I, I just feel like when there was a gal that came and asked me some questions at the last retreat that I was at, and when you said you'll do an upward, you'll do something before the actual service starts, you'll do something for a few minutes, you'll do the actual thing. I told her, just watch, because God will give you opportunities to be faithful if you're to give the announcements or if you are to be the person who is the MC for an event. Yeah. And then you go, well, wait a minute, I don't want to keep all those details straight, but I did it faithfully. He is faithful in a very little thing, is faithful also in much. And God kind of tests us, I think, like, I said to her, the word promotion seems so worldly, but God promotes you in ways. And what you're saying is even ministering to me because I don't know future stuff, but I just know when you're faithful to do what God asks you now, he's got that next thing and he's got the resources and the people and the things that are needed to come. I don't have to do the how. Nobody has to do the how it will all happen. God is in charge of that part and we just keep going so that is that really yeah and i think too you know i i think even as you know as men as as men and women who handle the word as people who are who are in (laughs) ministry i think man we need to be really careful about stepping into that and thinking 
that I'm better than this or yeah. this or, or setting goals and yeah. going, here's where I want to get, or yeah. here's what I want to do yeah. or whatever. And I'm just going, man, I just don't see that reflected in scripture. Mm-mm. What what I see reflected in scripture is a whole life of, I wouldn't have expected that to happen. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, I you know you're going, me. I know you're going this way, but I want you to go and meet the Ethiopian this way. Yep. That's yep. what I see in scripture, right? Yep. And so it's that sense of going, not that we shouldn't think, not that we shouldn't consider, not that right, we right, shouldn't right. plan, but it's that idea of going, who is this actually about? Yeah. And who is this actually for? Right. You know, and to the degree that you find yourself going, you know, it, it really is, it's the it's the illustration of the body, right? Yeah. A, a, an ear doesn't get to say I'm useless right. because right. all I do is hear. Right. And an eye doesn't get to say I'm useless because all I do is see. Right. And a fingernail doesn't get to say that right. all I, I'm useless because all I do is scratch Amen. backs. Amen. You know what I mean? We are all members inside the body. And I think the more the church is doing, our, we're doing a disservice to one another when we elevate each other and say and make it appear as though this person's role is somehow more special Super. than yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Oh gosh, when I go speak, there's people that are like, "Oh, you're our speaker. I just want to thank you, though. Come this way." La, la, la. I'm thankful for a warm welcome. Sure. Trust me. Sure. But I'm like, do you make the coffee? Okay. Without you, totally. <laughs> nobody is listening to me, and everybody is mad because they walked in and there was no coffee. Do you understand? I don't care whether yeah. you make the coffee or you swept the floor yeah. or you push the button so that I can turn around and see what I, verse I yeah. was going to read. That's right. It's all of it. Yeah. And I, I do appreciate a warm welcome. Who doesn't? That's the welcome of God. But if that's about me and not about we, right. something stinky in the potpourri as far as I'm concerned. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it does. It's just, you know, if it's not about we, something stinky that in the potpourri. That might be a t-shirt for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's, and that eye foot thing, but also, so my just, this is an aside sort of. Sure. But my exhortation to you is to keep doing whatever it is. Yep. With or without the schooling, yep. and God will bring that to you For because sure. they saw that they were unschooled and ordinary men, yep. but they knew that they had been with Jesus, and well, so that's what they said. And so there's times when I've not wanted to do schooling, right? Because I was just a, a little bit sort of surly and, and a little bit rebellious. Like, well, that doesn't make you all of a sudden know God. It doesn't make you know God's word or be a lover of God's word. That's right. But then God's also telling me, "I'll teach you when I want you to do what." And that whole master class of being under people. Yeah. Paul imparts to Timothy what he had. Completely. You can only give away what you carry. That's and it. when those men that we were sitting under and when we continue, we're that for somebody else. That's we right. We don't even realize we're imparting something to them that they now get. It's like, wow, I get Dave's portion. That's a that's a cool, cool thing. Yeah. it's, ex- it's And it ex- happens without us always being aware of it. It completely does. I mean, and, and honestly, I mean, and as you would know... Here's an interesting thing that happens with people who preach and, and every anybody, whether it be you yep. or anybody who's listening, who has ever preached knows this to be true. The things that we think are home runs when we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh man, this, could be this is going to be great and it's going <laughs> to totally land. You'll hear crickets. Nobody will say nothing. Right. The first time that you do it. Right. And then the, in the same way, the things where you go. You know, you you may have you felt like you blew it. You felt like yep. you totally screwed it up. You may not even have remembered saying it. People will come up and go, "Man, when you said yep. that," yep. And I'm like, I don't even I remember, remember saying, saying it. it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and now here's the thing. And I've thought a lot about this. Here's here's what's <laughs> underneath all of that. God does not want us to be either haughty nor imprisoned. And Amen. what I mean by that is, Amen. He doesn't want us to think that this thing rises or falls with us. 
he doesn't want us to think that, man, if you really come up with a zinger, then I'm really going to be able to do yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. In the same way, he doesn't want you to think because you felt like you didn't do well, that somehow he is then unable to do the work that he was going to do. The whole of scripture is God working through morons. Amen. Amen. Beloved morons. Amen. But he didn't go and pick out the people that were obviously going to be able to crush it. He picked the people that were the least likely. Well, why? Because it was in that that God received glory. Amen. We are able to go, glory be to you, God, Mm -hmm. that you were able to take something that I thought was a train wreck Mm -hmm. and able to work work eternity into this person's heart. Glory be to you, God, that you were able to show me that this thing is not about me coming up with clever anything, but it has to do with your spirit doing its work and choosing to use me. Not because you need to, not because you are... You, you need me, but because you want me and right. you invite me right. into play in this way. Right. And there's such freedom in realizing that none of this stuff really has anything to do with you. You're just a, ve- a vehicle and a vessel through which he is choosing mm-hmm. to work. He does not need you, mm-hmm. but he wants you. Mm-hmm. And so I get up into that pulpit and I go, this whole thing doesn't rise and fall with me. But yet I recognize that. There is there is seriousness and soberness in the fact that I am declaring to these people right. the very word of God right. or whatever. But to the degree that I don't think I did well or to the degree yep. that I yep. think that I crushed it yep. or whatever, I'm able to leave those things in God ha- God's hands. And he doesn't want us to be imprisoned by feeling as though this thing does rise and fall with us, nor does he want us to get to that satanic place of going... Right. Um, I'm going to, I want, this isn't good enough for me. I want to rise up to your level. Yeah. 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 So good. So that's a huge, that's been a huge, huge thing for me. And I encourage all of my buddies and all my friends who walk with me, Jonathan, who I, who I pastor the church with or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I say, if you ever see me getting to that point where I'm getting so despondent over how I feel like I did, or that I'm feeling like I've got this thing figured out, I want you to crawl all over me about it. I need to be able to feel the weight of walking up there, but also the real joy in being able Amen. to say these things. Amen. You know what I mean? So good. Kind of those truths held in tension. That's at it. At the same time. They, yeah. they really are. Uh, they need to coexist and happen all at the same time. Yeah. So, so good. I really thank you for your time today. Yeah. And um, the good thing about a podcast is people can listen on their way somewhere. And then when they get back in the car, it's right where it was. So it's right. not like it's hard to have a longer podcast. It's not a problem. I right. would rather have good content, which has right. been so rich and wonderful, right. than to... Just make it long or make it too short. I don't want to do that. I want right. to go for what we've got. I think we got some good stuff. For well, sure. you know, and I was thinking about this. Um, you know, the when you asked me to do this and yeah. stuff, my initial instinct was like, I don't, I don't know why you'd want to talk to me about it. Do That's you know what I mean? so not true. I love to talk to you. Well, in apart from just us being friends yeah, 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 and talking yeah. or whatever, but I'm mean, going. Why would anybody be interested in what it is that I have to yeah. say? You know, and stuff. But. It still happens to me, and I think it might be interesting for anybody who listens who had any time at Elmbrook or whatever, yeah. but I still went through, went through Costco the other day, and I will get people who are like looking at me a little sideways, <laughs> they and they kind of look at me and they go, why do I know you, you know? Yeah. And it, this is what it is now, because it's been whatever, how long has it been? Uh, it's been eight years yeah. uh, since I've been at Elmbrook or whatever, but it's still like, you're the drummer guy, right? <laughs> so... For the people that are just listening yeah. and don't know yeah. the voice that you're hearing, 
that weird drummer guy that had tattoos and earrings or whatever, he's the guy that you have been listening to. Yeah. And so what I always tell people is when they go, you're the drummer guy, right? I go, I am, but you can call me Dave, you know, right. but that type of thing. And so it, it is that idea of like, you don't realize, oh, people were, why were you watching me? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and stuff. Not in a bad way, but no, just kind of like you forget that people notice, are watching. Yep, yep. In the same way, I'd go like, why do you care about what I have to say? Yeah. You know what I mean? And stuff. And so hopefully people just feel like, you know, what they've been doing is listening to a conversation between a brother and sister that they yeah. have in Christ. Right. And uh, and we're just going to trust that, that God, you know, that God uses it to encourage or challenge or whatever else yeah. like that. So that's why I agreed to do it is because I love, I love you. I love talking to you. Yeah. But also to kind of go, God's going to do something. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have put it on your heart to come and talk to me and ask no. me to do it if he wasn't going to do something. He is so going to do something. And I, I believe one of the things that I'm hearing from this is, that people on the other end will be encouraged that God has them and he's weaving who he is and who he made them to be throughout their whole life. Completely. Like there isn't a day where that was just a throwaway day. It doesn't matter. It's all part of our, of his plan in the trajectory of our life for his glory. That's and it's, it. it's a good deal. It's a really good deal. Yeah. So if you'd feel comfortable, would you just pray for Glad whoever's to. listening? I don't know where they are, but yeah. um, it could be in the future in three years and this, it could be, as soon as this episode airs, but sure. God knows what that is. So yeah. pray for them. And then yeah. may I pray for you and then close? Love to. Okay. Father God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to be able to talk this morning. Mm -hmm. Lord, our, our hearts are full because uh, one of your sons and one of your daughters has has come together to, mm -hmm. to, um, to share the good things that you have done in our lives, to share the things that we have in common, to share and reminisce and thinking about all the time that we have gotten to know one another yeah. as brothers and sisters in Christ. And even the joy of knowing, God, that if this were to be the last time that I saw Rachel on this earth, that I have an eternity to be able to con continue this yes, conversation with her. I'm so grateful for that and so grateful for Jesus who makes that possible. I thank you, God, for this opportunity to be able to talk a little bit about what it is that you have done in my life, how it is that you have shaped me, and how it is that you have um, how it is that you have made me. Uh, all to much to my surprise, uh, there, Lord, there's so little in my life that uh, was planned, and so little in, of my life that I now count the greatest blessings in my life that I pursued. Mm -hmm. But you ultimately led me to those things, and you drew me to those things, and I am so grateful, God, mm -hmm. that you are a relentless pursuer of the lost, and you are a passionate lover of those who belong to you. I'm so grateful, God, that you, that you love us perfectly, that you love us completely, yeah. that you have um, drawn us unto yourself, Lord, and that you will not let us escape your hand. Yeah. God, I pray that we would be that we would be open and pliable to you, that we would open ourselves up like a branch does to a vine and mm -hmm. recognize, God, that it is your life in and through us that matters, that it is not we who produce the fruit of the Christian life, but it is we who bear it. God, it is not we who live this Christian life, but it is Christ himself Amen. in us that lives Amen. it. Amen. God, that's the hope that we have. That's the hope that I have. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to, to talk with my sister Rachel and to be able to uh, be, be open with her and share with her. I pray, God, for uh, the folks that are listening today, God, wherever it is that they find themselves, whether they be discouraged today, whether it be uh, whether they be uh, now listening, they be encouraged. I pray, God, that you would meet them right where they are, that they would recognize, God, that you do not leave, that you do not abandon, that you no. do not forsake, that you are with us always. Help them, Lord God, to to recognize and to sense your presence. Help Thank them, you, God, Jesus. to be quiet enough to be able mm -hmm. to hear your voice. 
and to believe, God, that you have been faithful and that you will remain faithful. Remind them, God, of your faithfulness. Remind them, God, of how you have loved them. Remind them, Lord, that you they have never been in a place where you have not been with them, right. that you whether it be right. leading them unto yourself or walking with them because they have known you their whole lives, and you will not let them go, and you will draw them ultimately to where you are. I thank you, God, for my sister, Rachel. I thank you, God, for uh, her love for you. I thank you, God, for um, the gifts that you have given to her. I pray, God, that you would um, help all of us to recognize where it is that you have put us in the body, mm-hmm. recognize the mm-hmm. giftedness that you that we have, recognize the roles that we have, recognize the opportunities that you put before us, and to simply be faithful with those things. Mm-hmm. And then, God, to not enter into those things believing that we have it handled or believing that somehow we need to be able to conjure the ability or, to be able to do those things, but really to open ourselves up and to recognize that it is no longer we who lives, but it's Christ mm-hmm. who lives in us. And to the degree that you have called us to something, God, you will enable us and you will equip right. us to be able to accomplish those things. Yeah. I pray, God, that you would help us to recognize in our lives how you have taken things that were not savory, taken things that were not holy, and you have redeemed those yeah. things. That those periods of our lives or those things in our lives were not wasteful moments, but they were moments that you used and you redeemed and you ultimately intend to use to glorify yourself. Mm-hmm whether it be because we're able to come alongside another brother and sister who is struggling with that same thing, whether it be because we are able to say, look how good God is that he would save me even because of this. God, I pray that you would be glorified because of the conversation that we had today. I pray that you would be glorified in and through those who are listening and are entering into this prayer today. Mm -hmm. I pray, God, that you would be made much of in all of the things Mm -hmm. that are going on in our lives. God, whether those things be difficult or whether those things be, be joyous to us, God. You are sovereign and you reign over all of those things. And so help us to depend on you and to trust in you and to lean into you and to be still before you in this day. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I agree, Lord. I agree. Father, may I touch you? Mm-hmm. Father, I thank you for this man. I thank you for who he is in the kingdom, Lord. I just bless Dave in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would continue to fill and uphold and Come around him and counsel him. I pray for wisdom and revelation. I pray for dreams, Lord. I pray for his body to be blessed, his marriage to be blessed, his fathering to be blessed, his family to be blessed. I ask for the interactions that he has with believers and people who don't yet know you, Jesus, that he would be an integral part of the conversation and that he would be used by you as a mouthpiece. I thank you for his heart, God. I pray you'd bless him. And I thank you, God, that you know exactly what goes ahead of him and what you have planned for him. So instruct him and teach him in the way he should go, Lord. Continue to counsel and watch over him with your loving eye upon him. I thank you for the truth of that. I just bless him today and thank you for this friendship in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Painless, right? Totally. Thank you. Save it. Save it. You've been listening to The Real Deal with me, Rachel Inouye, helping people celebrate their significance and the genius of God in them. Audio engineering by my husband, Michael Inouye. Thanks, babe. Theme music by Andrew Grace. 